It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No, no. I was going to say something really funny, but I decided not to. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Ayo. Hello. I thought I'd use a little northernism there at um, the beginning. Because you've been up north, haven't you? I have yeah. been up north. I've had, had a couple of, sort of northerny things going on since the last podcast, but I went up north last Tuesday. I went to Liverpool to record some bits and pieces for the American radio show I do about the Beatles. In fact, I'll tell you a story about that later. But yeah, I spent some time in the north. I did a a very embarrassing thing. Oh, good, good. So the train was pulling into Liverpool and, you know, I was in in a rush to get off because I had to go and meet somebody, a tour guide who was going to drive me around these different places with my microphone. Um, So I thought instead of waiting for the train to come to a halt and then standing up and going to 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 um disembark i thought i'm going to save some time by standing in the vestibule oh yeah on the train yeah so that when it comes to a halt i think can then open the door and off i go you save seconds yeah seconds yeah. seconds yeah um valuable seconds mm. and i did a terrible terrible thing oh, no what did you do i misjudged which platform it was going to be so the door I was standing next to oh. was the one next to the track. <laughs> That's the worst. Yeah, because already the small crowd of people had started congregating oh, by no, the other door. No, no, So I then was the, the last person in the vestibule to get oh, off. Why is that so embarrassing? It's, it's, it's not embarrassing, it's mortifying. You look, yeah. so, you look amateur. You look yeah. totally amateur. I think we've talked before about the pressure of being the person who has to press the button as well so at least i avoided that yeah that's that's one good thing i used to hate it when you you would have to pull the train window down and then lean out and open the handle from the outside it's really difficult waiting for the click yes so that that was the terrible thing that happened to me on the train i'm sorry and then a couple of other things ended up happening to me i um i I stayed in a hotel Mm. and i checked in and they you know said uh oh it's on the third floor Round to the right, the lifts are just around the corner. So I went round the corner, and um, there's four different lifts, but I can't see the button anywhere. Right, weird. Yeah, really yeah. weird. Um, and I'm standing in front of one, and I become aware that another one has come and gone in that time. Hmm. So I think, oh, it's it's activated by a sensor. Oh, but I can't quite figure it out. So what I end up doing is going in front of the various different lifts and bobbing around in front of oh, the doors no, no. to alert them to my presence. <laughs> Are you sure there's a I, sensor? I've never heard of this. Well, 
Oh. Sure enough, somebody oh. comes along oh. and it turns out I'd passed a pillar <laughs> like a few metres away from the lift which had oh, the buttons, God. the call button on it. What must you have <laughs> So somebody like? walked around the corner and I'm flapping my arms around in front of the sensor oh. trying, to, trying to get the lift to open. Oh. So... Yeah, that was it. And then the the other thing that happened is, you know, I was saying on last week's podcast, I'm feeling a little self conscious about my weight at the moment, so I've been trying to uh, lose a bit. Mm. So I thought I'm not I'm not going to go out for dinner or anything. I'll just have one of my protein balls. Oh, all right, okay. That's been my diet: protein balls and chewing gum. Like, oh god, and, not um, recommended. Carry no, on. no. <laughs> and um, there was a mini bar in the room. Oh, and it had. Pringles. It had crisps and Kit Kats yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up eating two Kit Kats and two <laughs> packets of crisps. Oh, and the price. And that, well, then then the following morning oh. when it was time to check out, yeah. I couldn't check out. I just left without checking out because I was so ashamed <laughs> of if I got to the front desk and they said, did you have anything from the minibar? I couldn't bring myself to say, yeah, I had both Kit Kats and both oh. bags of crisps. So I thought I would rather just like leave the hotel let the room service go in, the housekeeping go in, count those things. I don't know if there's an extra charge for it or whatever <laughs> than, than have to admit and feel judged by the receptionist. Totally understandable. <laughs> so that, that was my trip up north. Oh, dear. And then I don't know if there's a story here. It's slightly odd. But at the weekend, I saw Elliot Elam. Oh, I know that name, yeah. Went to primary school with yeah. him. And if you're a long-term listener, you might know the name because... Uh, he, he accused me of a terrible, terrible um, crime. Crime, really? Yeah, yeah. It's crime. Yeah, straightforward crime. And if you want to know more about this, we did a podcast at the time. This this story kind of came to light around the same time the first series of the Serial podcast came out, and it was such an accusation that you felt the need to make an investigative podcast in the vein of serial yeah which i did yeah so it's very much like the, the this american life podcast serial but if you look up this british life serial you can find uh, a podcast where annabelle investigates this specific incident mm -hmm. but what the incident was was uh, when the film et came out which i don't know if that was like 82 or 83 or whatever mm. that coincided with our primary school being merged with two other primary schools um so they 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 took us all, I guess as some kind of bonding thing, I don't know, whatever, to the pictures okay. to see E.T. Now, what I remember about going that day was um, was that everybody started crying before the film even started <laughs> oh, God. because we all knew it was supposed to be sad <laughs> and we were a bunch of suggestible kids. Right. But anyway, the, what transpired was this: there was this kind of E.T. mania at our school and there was an inter-school E.T.-themed drawing competition. And I drew this this beautiful picture. It had E.T. in the middle, and then it had, like, different scenes from the film in each of the corners mm. of the paper. And I entered, that was my entry into the competition, and it won the prize. And I won a book or something. I can't remember what, but it was a real high spot in my life to date, winning a prize against the other schools for my drawing of E.T. Yeah. Fast forward... Um, more than 20, 30 years later, <laughs> um, I'm living in London, I'm on the radio, and it turns out a friend of mine from Twitter, Ros Rodri Marsden, is friends with this guy I went to school with, Elliot Elam. And he says, oh, you know, Elliot, why don't we all go out for dinner? So we go out for dinner, and Elliot's um, now does a few different things, but he's an illustrator amongst them, very talented artist. And all of a sudden, Elliot starts like unloading in this catharsis <laughs> over dinner. Like he's he's been very angry at me for these decades because he didn't win that competition. Mm. And 
and he's not angry because I'm the better artist. He's angry because he believes that I plagiarised that drawing. <laughs> from? From a pencil eraser, yeah. an ET pencil eraser. You copied a pencil eraser. Which I didn't, I absolutely didn't. So as my, my memory of my childhood isn't very good, mm. but I, I know that I didn't copy that. And also my my defence is, how could you fit all that on an eraser? That wasn't, is my first thought. You could It's a lot to fit on yeah, an eraser. you couldn't. Yeah. So it's bullshit. <laughs> What, what he was saying. Goodness. Anyway, so in in the years since those accusations were made, and I feel you put it to bed on that podcast, mm. we've 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 come to some kind of frosty truce, Elliot and I, and we socialise from time to time. And he came round on uh, Saturday, and like I say, this is a weird story. I don't quite know that it really goes anywhere, but it's it's so weird. I thought it was worth mentioning. So Elliot, it turns out, is one of these people like my wife who has very vivid memories from their childhood. Mm. Sarah can tell you like everything that ever happened on every birthday in her childhood, wow. and, like every family holiday, and she remembers details and conversations. Whereas I, c- I can maybe remember a dozen isolated incidents, and that's my childhood memory. Yeah, me too. Right. Yeah. So he he we were talking about his memory being so vivid, and he's telling us some stuff about his early life. He, he lived in Hong Kong when he was tiny, and. Um, and then I say, so do you remember stuff from school then, like specific things? He says, yeah, I re- I'll tell you what I remember. The day we went to see E.T. Right. at the cinema, okay. I was sitting in front of you yeah. and you were sitting behind me with Tristan Maddox. Oh, yeah. Another boy I went to school with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, you turned to Tristan Maddox and said something r- weird. And here's what I said. Go on. According to him verbatim. Yeah. Do you know what, Tristan. When people say my foot, yeah, do you know the expression, the expression my, my foot? My foot. Yeah, yeah. It's like sort of like a kid's, it's like swearing you do around your nan or something, like an old fashioned exclamation. It feels quite upper class as well. Yeah, my yeah, foot. Yeah. I turned to Tristan Maddox and apparently couldn't tell it. I said, you know, when people say my foot, instead of saying my foot, they should say Michael foot. What? Oh my God, you're so weird. It's really weird. Why are you, really Michael weird. Foot. Michael Foot was the then leader of the Labour Party. Or maybe, maybe, oh, maybe I don't know what I like more the fact that you said it or that he remembered it. It's really weird, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And because I don't remember anything, like it's quite unnerving hearing something I said. Yeah. And it's, it's like a weird attempt at a joke. <laughs> it's a weird attempt at a joke. It yeah. is. And, you know, um, as my dad always says, uh, show me the boy and I'll show you the man. Right. Here I am all these years later with my weird attempts at jokes. <laughs> Please join me in this bubble that has been. Forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. As ever, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a story about your own human foibles, uh, please email us. We really appreciate these. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Firstly, this is from John. There is someone that works in the same building as me that I don't know that well, but know well enough for small talk. For me, small talk can be a problem. However, she's a bit of a talker, so I don't need to say much and she will fill any awkward silences, which is fine and I can just about get by. But the thing is, she does and has done for quite a while now, call me Chris, which is obviously not my name. Any 
normal person would have corrected her the first time, but I didn't want her to feel awkward and I wanted to avoid that entire situation. So I said nothing, but it's been ongoing for so long that I now can't possibly correct her. I'm now awaiting the day that she either finds out that my name is not Chris and mentions it or the unthinkable situation where someone else corrects her while we are talking. (laughs) I'm not sure how to handle this. The only answer I can see is to change my name to Chris by deed poll, leave my job or leave the country. I think it's quite right. They are the only three options open to him. Yeah, absolutely. And this is from Helen. Every time you ask us to think of a time that is seared into our memories, this situation always springs to mind. I met a very friendly woman at an industry drinks event. As I work in a very male-dominated industry, I may have gone overboard in my attempt to befriend her. She went on to invite me to join her table at a Women in Finance awards dinner the next week. I didn't know anyone else going, but I thought I should brave it out and attend so I could make new contacts. The invitation arrived. The dress code was White Winter Wonderland. Immediately, I was on edge. Who wears white aside from Celine Dion and brides? (laughs) I checked my wardrobe. Lurking at the back was an old black and silver polka dot dress. It would have to do. I tried it on. Needless to say, I was, of course, fatter than when I bought it. In a dilemma over splashing out on a new white dress that I would undoubtedly never wear again, I thought, bugger it, I'll go and buy something called shapewear. Now, I know women are supposed to be all over Spanx, but I'd always resisted it, favouring comfort over being trussed up. But this was the cheapest option. I dashed into a shop during my work lunch hour and the helpful assistant assured me she had just the thing, an all-in-one smooth body item. I bought it. The night of the event arrived. I slipped on the smoothing item and thank goodness managed to get the dress zipped up. I threw in silver shoes and a silver handbag in the hope that might somehow distract from my failure to meet the dress code. I was ready, if totally nervous. Arriving at the event, I found my host and started to chat to the other women on our table over a champagne reception. I got talking to a lovely woman of a similar age who was seven months pregnant. I found out she worked for a company that I really admired. She was beautiful, clever, pregnant and worked for a great company. She was my new girl crush. When dinner was called, I made a beeline to sit next to this fabulous woman. We were sitting down, laughing and joking over the menu, definitely on course to be BFFs. Or so I thought. A few minutes later, one of the other women arrived, going around the table to introduce herself to us. As she approached me and the fabulous woman, she exclaimed, Oh, how lovely they've sat the pregnant ladies together. (gasps) My smile froze on my lips. Not only was I not pregnant, but I was wearing the shapewear. How could this have failed me? Of course, I didn't have time to say anything back. Also, my new Bezzy turned to me with a smile saying, yes, and when are you, June? Oh, no. Panicking now, worried I would lose a new friend and embarrass the new woman at the table. There was only one thing I could do. Rubbing my tummy, I said, oh, it's early days. My scramble brain tried to remember things my pregnant friends had told me. I remembered that pregnant women only talk in the number of weeks gone, not months, so I quickly did some mental arithmetic. I'm only 14 weeks in. Lots of smiling and knowing looks from the various women at the table. The new woman then glanced down at the drink in my hand. (laughs) I poured myself a glass of wine as we'd arrived at the table. The pregnant lady next to me was an orange juice. The new woman looked worried. She said... Oh, I wouldn't go for that wine if I was you. Well, I was now being shamed for my fake pregnant choices. I meekly apologised and asked a waitress for some orange juice. The rest of the evening passed by in a daze. 
I had to make up a fake boyfriend. I was single and couldn't bear them judging me as a single mother. With it being a table of women, there was lots of chats about maternity leave policy. I tried to say as little as possible and just nod a lot. And I couldn't even get drunk to deal with it. I got out as soon as I could. My friendship with the fabulous women ruined. The next day, we all got an email from our host connecting us and saying thanks for joining. There was no way I could speak to any of them ever again. Not unless I made up a traumatic tale for not producing a baby six months later. I went home and made sure I stopped off and picked up a big bag of chips from the kebab shop. I tore off the dress and you won't be surprised to hear I never wore it again. I can laugh about this now, but secretly, I know it means I should probably lose weight, buy new clothes or stop trying to ingratiate myself with new people. Oh, well. Oh, that's one of the favourite things I've heard in a long time. That is so great. Um, If you listen to that and you're thinking, you think that's a good story, let me tell you about the time that I told a lie in a social situation for no apparent reason and it spiralled out of all control, then we would love to hear from you, as well as the other topics we've um, we've been on recently, such as uh, the lengths you've gone to to avoid confrontation, um, plucking up the courage to finally try something and it going horribly wrong. Uh, I meant well. Okay. There's a topic for you. Yeah. Uh, calling people by the wrong name, anything physically hiding, pretending to know what you're doing, trying to help, becoming a hindrance. Um, all this stuff, please. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email. People sometimes worry about their ability to say, oh, but I can never get the story right when I write it down. Honestly, uh, th- don't worry about that. No, not at I mean, all. We, we, we just want to hear from you. Uh, if you've got something even you feel it's half-baked, Fine. We'll, we'll finish it baking. We'll finish baking <laughs> yeah. it for you. Um, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Adrift. So Annabelle, you have prepared a story. I have. Uh, and what topic will you be speaking this week? Singing. Oh. Uh, you, you have, like, nobody in the world, I don't believe, has a singing voice like yours. I think that's your way of saying that I'm not a good singer. And... I've known, I've known, I know this, and I've known, I've known this for sure since I was eleven. Because I've already mentioned that time I was in an amateur drama production, A Sleeping Beauty, where I had to sing Paul McCartney's Frog Chorus on my own. And when I watched back the VHS recording of it, you can very clearly hear a boy in the audience saying a loud whisper, "She can't sing." <laughs> I do like, but it's not your fault. You're supposed to be part of a chorus. No, why? And you're not yes. a frog. You're an eleven-year-old girl. There was a lot going against you. You're right. I never thought about it that yeah. way. I do like how I was watching back the performance, though. It sort of demonstrates either vanity or a dedication to learn and improve that I didn't bother taking with me into adulthood. So, <laughs> but I know that I can't sing, which makes the following event that happened when I was about 13 or 14 all the stranger. Now, you probably think that my glittering broadcast career began at Whips Cross Hospital Radio. Yes. Well, I was a presenter there, but before that, 13 years before that, I broadcast the nation of Essex on Essex Radio during a live broadcast on South End High Street. Now, going to South End High Street was the number one Saturday afternoon activity for teens and preteens mm. where I grew up. You'd meet outside WH Smith's, go around the shops, have wacky photos taken in a photo booth, and then you'd unscrew the hand of a shop mannequin, put the hand up your sleeve like it's your real hand, and then go and ask someone for the time while touching your face. That was kind of what you did. So did you never go into like Dixon's and find a ZX Spectrum and, and then like print um, <laughs> 10 
print Annabelle is an arsehole, 20 go to 10. And it just like come up. With... I think those kind of computer skills are beyond me, unfortunately. Right, right, yeah. right. Now, on this particular occasion, though, Outside WH Smith's was an Essex Radio outside broadcast, broadcasting from basically what was a tent. And they asked for volunteers for a competition. And you'd think that I would have my com- confidence crushed by the she can't sing moment. But I was right up there on that stage and taking part in a singing competition. And it was a singing competition of the same song for everyone. And that song was a theme tune to the TV show Postman Pat. And there were five of us, which means there were five separate and consecutive renditions <laughs> of Postman Pat. Not a cappella, like singing along to recording of the Postman Pat theme tune. Yeah. Local radio of the 1980s, right there. So I threw myself into it. I seem to remember adding several hand gestures to act out the words, which I'm sure was great for the radio audience across Essex. Yeah, yeah. But it gave me the edge because I won. And then I had to perform an encore like I just won the X Factor. And the encore was a theme tune to the TV show Neighbours. I can't help thinking they just invested in a new TV themes record. I'm just trying to get their money's worth. And my prize was loads of seven inch singles that they were clearly trying to get rid of because I didn't recognise the name of the single artist. But this wasn't even the first time that I'd sung on South and High Street. So when I was 12, once again, post the She Can't Sing incident, I was there with my friend Sally. And me and Sally had at this stage in our lives decided to become goths, which meant we listened to Sisters of Mercy, Bauhaus, The Mission, The Damned, even though I didn't really like any of them. <laughs> and we wore a lot of black, crimped our hair. I think Sally might have worn a black lipstick. Yeah. And that was it because we were 12. Yeah. And we decided we wanted to make some money and decided that the way to do this was by busking. And I've no memory of why we thought this, but I can only think it's because I was wearing a hat. I was wearing a dark green trilby. Not sure how this fits in with my goth look. But perhaps the idea that buskers somehow collected their, often collected their money in hats at their feet. Yeah. Maybe it started from that. So we threw my hat on the veranda in front of us and we chose our song to sing. Now, bear in mind at this point what I've already described as our musical taste, Sisters of Mercy, The Mission Damned. Bauhaus. And the, Bauhaus. And that we, all about Eve, and that we were two 12-year-old goths standing on South End High Street, busking with no instruments, just our voices. Yeah. And we sang Those Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines. <laughs> A song from a film. The film was over 20 years ago and it was set in 1910 about those magnificent men in their flying machines. If I could go back in time to anything, I think I might go back to see these two 12-year-old goths singing about going up till up, up and down till down, down. That bit about looping the loop and defying the ground. And also when they go, they're all frightfully keen. Though the one thing I think I'd like to see more is when, towards the end of the song, they get stopped by a policewoman who stops them and takes their full names and addresses. And I ended up getting a caution for busking age 12. The policewoman said we were breaking the law, but I'm wondering now if she wasn't related to that she can't sing boy and it was some kind of family vendetta against my voice. I think that was that. Um, Happy birthday for all of you who aren't listening and those of you who are, you're in on the joke. Great, good work. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Thank you. To save Annabelle from being out busking at this time of year with a dog and a baby, I mean, you can wrap a baby up warm, but I don't think you have any clothes for Rusty, do you? He does have a jumper, but, but when I put it on him, he stands stock still and for hours. It's quite useful, really. What's the jumper like? It's really nice. Someone knitted it for me. In fact, Anna knitted it for me, one of um, our former listeners. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really, it is gorgeous, but he just stands stock still in it. He won't move. <laughs> um then to prevent Annabelle and her, her little gang from being out on the street singing those magnificent men and the flying machines, then 
why not support the show on Patreon? If you're able to just make a small pledge every month, um, it starts at one American dollar, which I think is like 70p or something. I'm not even quite sure what it is, but oh, it's, right. it's, it's not very much um, every month. And there are different levels of rewards depending on how much you pledge. But even for 70p a month, Annabelle will bestow upon you a title. Yep. Uh, you can become podcast nobility. Then you can go to Patreon and support us, patreon.com stroke adrift, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com stroke adrift oh and i should just mention that as promised last week i did eventually put together the ask me anything we asked um our patreon supporters who pledged two dollars a month or above for questions um and we said we'll answer anything like the reddit amas that they do and um i sent that out at the weekend so you should have had that already if you are um a two dollar a month or higher patreon subscriber then are they called subscribers, pledgers, pledgers, supporters, supporters? Yeah. yeah. Um, then, then you you can listen to me and Annabelle waffle on for well over an hour mm. about the questions that we were asked. You, we said, ask us anything, and you took it very literally. <laughs> um, so we we did one of those, and we'll do stuff like that in the future as well. So if you missed out on this one, there'll be more uh, for the different pledge levels. I thought another another thing we could do is maybe. Uh, um, like do a coach trip or something at some point. Oh, like we did one to Macclesfield once, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I think, but th- so that was uh, that was financed by the radio station. So it need mm. to be more of a money spinner than that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not saying to, to so we get rich off it. Right, right. Um, I'm not saying that we become the next Mister Butlin or anything <laughs> like <laughs> the next Thomas Cook. <laughs> right. But you know, we we can't but go paying for a bus out of pocket. No, can't no, we? no, this is true. No, but if you've got any ideas where we could go on under drift listeners coach trip mm. i mean i'm thinking well we've done macclesfield or whatever which is my hometown yeah what about south what end? about south end yeah and also a coach trip to the seaside in the summer oh what's better doesn't that sound good we could go to the spot where i got caution for busking age 12 exactly yeah well you know what you're hearing at the moment is this idea being born Ooh. no more thought has been put into it at this stage <laughs> no, clearly but i think we're both very excited at the prospect i'm very excited yeah, yeah. So, so there's perhaps something we could do. Um, but in the meantime, if you are willing to just um, spend a little bit of your money every month supporting the podcast, if you listen to it every week, we'd love that. Uh, you can support us at patreon.com stroke adrift. Welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it yet? Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So as I mentioned earlier, I have been up north this week and as well as going to Liverpool, I went to Manchester and, um, you know, having spent the first 26 years of my life in and around Manchester, whenever I go back, I can get myself into a tizzy thinking that, oh, I, I need to I need to see people, I need to see friends and, and family from up there. And I'm not the sort of person who would ever send like a round robin text message saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be in such and such a pub. Why don't we all hang out? Because that mm. sounds like hell to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then at the other, the, the flip side of that is I can worry about being up there and bumping into somebody in the street and them saying, hey, why why didn't you spend any, why didn't you tell me you were coming to town? Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know. So I can sometimes find that I'm sneaking around like I'm Obi- <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Death Star. Um, so 
So anyway, what, what I've done, and it's a fudge, it doesn't really fix that issue, but I will contact a person every time I go up. I'll think, who haven't I seen for a while? And I'll invite somebody to meet up and go for a drink. Or right. whatever. So this time, I thought, I've not seen my friend Carl in a good while. I'd mm. love to see him. Um, that's going to be my person. Right. So a couple of days before I go up, I, I text him saying, hey, Carl, um, I'm going to be in town. Do you, do you fancy hanging out and getting a drink? few hours pass Mm. and i think maybe it's not that exciting for people to receive a text saying hey your old mate lloyd is in town why don't you drop everything you're doing um and then i sort of then try to think of it in a more empathetic way and i realize that when anybody even people i love dearly yourself included (laughs) suggest to me doing anything sociable my first thought is oh no how can i get out of doing this so uh, then i have some sympathy for him Anyway, a few hours pass and he sends me a text message. He said, oh, I'd love to see you. I'm going to London the next day. I've, I've got work on in London the next day and I'm not 100% sure whether I'm going to leave that evening and stay over or I go down the next day. But if, if, I, if, I, if I don't leave in the evening, in other words, if I'm at home, I'd, I'd love to see you. So I think, great. So I sort of have that on the back burner and think I'll follow it up as, as the day gets closer so sure enough the day comes and i go up north i do what i've got to do it gets to about five o'clock and i haven't heard from him okay so send him a message saying carl Mm. are you around later or not Mm. i I don't hear back Mm. gets to six o'clock i think well i don't i don't know what i'm gonna do do with myself Mm, it's leaving a bit late isn't it yeah Yeah. seven o'clock nothing oh i think i'm just gonna I'm just going to stay in this hotel room and eat eat two Kit Kats and two <laughs> bags of crisps to mm. heal my emotional pain oh. at Carl not spending time with me. Yeah. So that's what I do. I spend my evening in um, oh. on my own, flicking between watching TV and looking at social media. Oh. I'm scrolling through social media. Oh, no. Since five o'clock, no. Carl has tweeted a couple of times. Yeah. But you he, know, he could be anywhere. You're thinking he's, he didn't go to London. Well, my point is, my point is... Yeah. Presumably he's tweeting from the same device that he's oh, receiving text messages oh, from. Oh, so there's no reason for him not to reply to you. No. So he's oh. like, that message has popped up. He's saying, oh, God, social media. Oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> However, I am going to write this tweet about <laughs> such and such a thing. Oh, what? Yeah. So how should I be feeling at this moment? Because I'll tell you something, still nothing. No. And I know he's not dead because he's tweeting. If he was dead or in a coma or something like that, I could, I could easily <laughs> let this go. Oh, could you? Right. <laughs> This is bad. Because yeah, I am gracious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what how how should I feel? What what how should I process this information? If this situation arises again, what what should I do? That's what I'm looking at in this week's The Incident. James Acaster is a comedian and a wise man. Ah, oh, well, I, I I would say it is not acceptable. Because he's clearly he's seen well he's he's seen the text because he's on Twitter yeah. unless he's tweeting from a computer but then what kind of absolute maniac is a uh, is so addicted to Twitter that they're on it on their computer but not the kind of person who would check their phone all the time like yes. if you're if you're, if you're checking Twitter on any device you're also checking your phone yes. so he's definitely seen it hasn't bothered to reply also what hasn't had the uh, like hasn't even thought oh if I tweet. He'll see that and he'll know that I've seen his text. Like, hasn't even cared enough. Yeah, it's quite a bold move. Like, it's bold. Yeah, well, because that's the kind of thing that if I was to, 
I, I don't ignore texts. I'm a nice, nice enough fella. But uh, <laughs> actually, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get people who, yeah, who are, aren't, aren't very nice themselves. You want to avoid those texts. I've definitely done that. I've ignored text messages. But what I don't do then is then go on social media and let the world know that I'm wide awake and doing stuff. It's almost because like it's almost then, like he's rubbing my face in it. Oh yeah, well, it's, but it's, it's also like he just doesn't. Not even he hasn't thought about it. He, he hasn't gone. Oh, hold on! If I do this, Jeff will see it. So he hasn't even done that, which is offensive because mm. he hasn't even cared. Or he's thought about that. Guys don't even care. Yeah. Don't care if Jeff sees how much of a great time I'm having on Twitter. <laughs> That's appalling. And also, like you've said, I mean, I, I would say the main bit of advice there as well is, um, you know, I, just don't let. I'm I'm very upset that you ended up staying in a hotel room mm. on your own just mm. waiting around mm. Mm. I'd say you know for one he's already gone oh maybe whatever so you're like ah this guy you know probably he's probably not fully up but you know you're coming back you're coming back home yes. back in town Yeah. when you tell people you're coming back the ones who say maybe it's like you're not going to dictate my trip home this is me reconnecting again you got to go to your favourite place you're eating there you text people this is where I'm going tonight yeah, Mohammed has already gone to the mountain in this this analogy. Yeah, exactly. Mohammed didn't. Yeah, Mohammed doesn't go to the mountain and then text his mates and go, "Where are you? I'll come and meet you in a valley somewhere." <laughs> you know, he, he says, "I'm on the mountain, guys." Yeah, yeah. Um, come so, meet me here. so, so in this situation, would you would you confront him? You could confront him, but uh, you could reply to one of his texts, to one of one of his tweets. Yes, that would be a great passive-aggressive thing to do, would be to favourite one of his tweets. Yeah, or just comment on the tweet with a screen grab of the text that you sent him and the time next to it. <laughs> just do that, and then do a photo of you uh, eating a meal on your own, looking out the window, all forlorn. Yeah, yeah. Mournfully. Yeah, Eat, eating the Kit Kat from a minibar. I think that's actually perfectly acceptable. Just... Reply to someone with solid evidence and facts. Yeah, you yeah. can't do nothing. What's he going to do? Yeah, have a go at you. Can't argue with facts. Yeah, get him on it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There are some things that move down the stream. Some of them are called Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. It's coming past you, and on the sale is written G-L-A-P, which stands for GLAP. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. The organization. Adrift. Annabelle, you witnessed a crime taking place this week. Oh, it's so exciting. I was doing my one social activity of the week. I say social. I was going to Sainsbury's, I'll be honest. So okay. It's interesting that you call that a social. I mean, what are you doing? Asking, asking where things are? No, I'm just leaving the house. That's what I mean. Do you hate asking where things are in a supermarket? Well, yeah, because they never know. No. It's really annoying. There are some people who have no qualms about that at all. Mm. Like, I, I find that if I ask somebody where something is in the supermarket, the interaction never, ever goes well. No. They don't. 
know where it is. Or they take you to the wrong thing. Take you to the wrong thing or don't quite understand what you're saying mm. or, or whatever. And and yet I've been in the supermarket with other people who have no qualms about doing it and also are labouring under the opinion that there's this big magical stock room out the back where anything you can't currently see in the shop <laughs> they must have it there so why don't why don't they just ask if they've got it in the stock room yeah 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 like they've never got it in the stock room <laughs> never. have you ever said oh you haven't got one of those in the stock room and no. it's turned out yes we have actually yeah we we've got loads of tomatoes but we were just sort of hanging on to them just in case somebody asked but i suspect that they do have them but they go out there like sit on a box for half an hour <laughs> yeah. then come back and go no not going here that's what i really think is going on <laughs> anyway so so uh, I, I, I digress. Yes, yeah, so I was coming out of the supermarket and I saw a shoplifter running, obviously having just stolen something, and the security guard was chasing them, but so obviously <laughs> not wanting to catch them. It was the most obvious, like, oh, God, I, I've got to look like I'm doing my job. But if I do catch them, I'm not only have I got to topple them to the ground and hold them down, I've somehow got to drag them back into the supermarket. And then, oh, God, the admin, the admin. And so he made a great show pretending to try and catch him, but it was clear that he had no intention. So on the surface. So I didn't enjoy that when you stop thinking your mind begins to start loving adrift with jeff lloyd and annabelle ports oh touch it touch it I mentioned before that I was in Liverpool and the reason I was in Liverpool was um, I was recording this Beatles show that I do for American radio. The Beatles have their own channel over there on Sirius XM. And um, I've been up there previously, been around Paul McCartney's childhood home, which is now owned by the National Trust. Um, been around John Lennon's childhood home, much the same deal. And this time we were visiting the various houses that George Harrison lived in when he was a kid, up to when he moved to London. And he, he was born in a street called Arnold Grove. And it's very, you know, very much how you picture a, um, a row of northern terraced houses, red brick, two up, two down, um, those sort of Coronation Street style houses, if, if, if anything, actually a bit smaller. Okay. Um, and it's a very short street, and at one end of which is a brick wall. And I don't know if it's got cobbles, but if it hasn't, it feels like it should have cobbles, okay, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, there's there's an old lady who lives in the house George Harrison was born in and lived up to the age of six. Um, and, and she was in watching quiz shows on the TV. I could see through a net curtain, so we, di- we didn't bother her. We just sort of stood outside and recorded this stuff. Anyway, we're, we're with a tour guide, a Liverpool tour guide called Jackie Spencer, and I'm interviewing her about it. And we, we finish up. And as we're finishing up, an old fella turns into the street and he's he's carrying um, like a, a loaf of hovis in one hand and a can of Heinz tomato soup in the other hand. Right. And you just know that's about what he's, that's about, that's what he's about to eat for his lunch. Yeah, yeah. I love it that it's hovis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because she's in and out of this street all the time with tourists, she, she knows everyone who lives there. It's a short street. She says, Ernie. He says, what? He says, these people are from American radio. He says, all oh, right. He says, why don't you come and tell them your story? He's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. He's got a thick Scouse accent, but I won't attempt it. Okay. She says, oh, tell them your story. And, and, and you know, I'm so hungry for Beatle information. That I'm like, oh, will you just tell me your story anyway? Because um, I'm desperate to know. 
So he says, all right, all right. So basically he's lived in the street since 1961. So in other words, well after George Harrison had moved away, but he's lived there through Beatlemania and he's accustomed to people turning up in the street. Right. And he he tells a story about it being the mid-80s and um, it's kind of a, a warmish day. So he's sitting out on his front step just getting a bit of sun and he lives next door to the house George was born in. And he says he looks up and there's a guy, he says, like in a flashy blue coat. And, you know, why somebody in a flashy blue coat in, in our street? And he, he looks up and it's George Harrison. And it's the first time he's ever seen him. And George Harrison says, he's like, you're right. He says, yeah, yeah. He says, you're just getting a bit of sun. He says, yeah. Um, he says, oh, I've just come for a look at this house. I was born in it. He went, oh, yeah, I know. He's like, why don't you knock on? The lady who lives there, I'm sure she'd be delighted to show you around. And George is like, oh, no, I don't want to make a fuss. But anyway, he sort of like looks at the house and maybe takes a picture and then off he goes again. Right. And this guy has now got his story about George Harrison turning up in the street. And there's something something kind of funny to me about the idea that he was wearing a coat that was slightly out of the ordinary <laughs> for what you'd wear in Liverpool. So that's the memorable thing. But anyway. So then he says, um, many years later, he says about six months to a year before George Harrison died. So we're probably talking like late 2000 at this point, maybe even 2001. He says, same thing, like it's a nice day. He's sitting on his step and uh, like a posh car pulls up into the street and out gets George Harrison. And it becomes apparent, you know, now with hindsight, that what has happened is George knows he's dying or he's not well mm. and he wants to revisit his childhood haunts and he's come to see this house again and George gets out of his car and walks into the street and then sees this Ernie sitting there on his step and the first thing he says to him says have you been there all this time it's a nice story it's lovely yeah yeah. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you were listening on iTunes and you haven't yet rated and reviewed us, please do so uh, on the proviso that you're going to give us a good review and a high rating. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week was provided by James A. Castor. He's a brilliant comedian. If you get a chance to go and see him live, you really must. And I know he's got some work-in-progress shows coming up in London over the next little while. Thanks to Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox for providing our iDents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took the photographs and Kim Rainey made our artwork. Thanks to you if you're supporting us on Patreon. If you're not, would you be willing to consider it? Patreon.com stroke adrift. And we would love it if you shared your story with us and your fellow drifters. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, thanks to Elliot Elam for reminding us, don't say my foot, say Michael Foot. Adrift. Adrift. lucky enough to have received not one but two 
prodications from my best friend, Millicent Brimacombe. It sounds like a made-up name, but I love it. It does. It's quite Mallory Towers-ish, mm, isn't it? Gorgeous. Um, her birthday is coming up, so I thought it high time that I get myself together and let her know how much she means to me through the magic of radio. Did you send one to a radio station as well? <laughs> yeah. to us in yeah. the loft. Um, we have a whole ocean between us, but since your return to podcasting, have been able to float adrift together and reconnect amidst the stories of social conundrums. It's comforting to know that we are not the only people so often caught up in the net of social awkwardness. Millie and I have been friends since we were in primary school. I even have a picture of our nativity play together to prove it. I was a lowly page boy. Whereas Millie shone like the star she is, dressed as a reindeer. Mm. Millie is extremely talented in all that she does, especially at beating me at cards. I love her dearly and want to wish her a very happy birthday. It's going to be her first birthday living with her boyfriend, Wayne. And her fir- what? what? <laughs> the way you said Wayne. What? I love Millicent and Wayne, though, as a couple. Yes, it's yes. a really great combo. Um, <laughs> and her first one out of London as they moved to Manchester not long ago. Oh. If you haven't been to the Indian Tiffin Room in Manchester, <laughs> let me highly recommend it. I've heard good things about Bundabust as well. I was going to go there for lunch when I was there, but it was mm. shut. Mm. Um, Mowgli's very good. M-O-W-G-L-I. Okay. It's enough enough Indian restaurant recommendations for me. I don't think Wayne's taking any recommendations for you after the way you said his name. So. Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Where have I got that from? Is it, it feels like something from a sitcom in 1991 or something. I think it's from uh, like a Harry Enfield thing, isn't it? Oh, I, right. Okay. Wayne Etta Sl- I don't know. Right, right, maybe, right, right, maybe. right, right, right. Um, uh, I hope that a podication from you two will help warm their new home and help make up for the fact that I did not stand outside a window with a jukebox on my shoulder or hire a plane to wish her happy birthday in the sky. I miss her and look forward to when she visits me in beautiful Canada the Beautiful again. Hopefully with Wayne <laughs> coming along too. I don't think I did a good job of it that time. Sorry, Wayne. Fir- you've knocked my confidence oh, in. Good. <laughs> uh, all the best to you, baby Rudy, Jean, Tom, Sarah, Lynn Barron, and of course, Rusty Scruff, the teddy bear king. He's firm but fair. Side note. When I was in London this past September, I went to a moth event at the Union Chapel with my Canadian friend Caroline. We love listening to their heartfelt stories. The show was fantastic with some incredible speakers and I thought the host was particularly good. As we were leaving, I was telling my friend about Adrift and how you'd mentioned the moth before and then it hit me. The host was called Sarah and was a voice I knew well. The stories she had about uh, stories she told about her family were in fact your family too. What's she been saying about you? I don't know. I'm wondering if... I did go to one of the... I've been to a couple of the Union Chapel ones. Mm. I don't think I was allowed to that one. Though. Oh. It's not allowed. It's just we haven't got a babysitter. Ah, okay. Have you got any any plans to get a babysitter? I've got no plans to go out, no. Right, yeah. No. I mean, like, I love having a, a child. Is It gives me an excuse to never go out. Mm. However, there are some things I'd like to do. Like, I'm really desperate to see Paddington too. Oh, yes, yes. I want to see that. And yeah. I don't know how it will ever happen. Because you're mm. lucky. Rudy's a good age for taking to baby screenings. Yeah, yeah. So Gene's at an age now where he's too young to sort of sit still and watch a film. Mm. But he's too old to just, like, flop out during yeah, it yeah. so it's, it's a pain I, I wish it was socially acceptable to just like tether him to something in the house for a few hours <laughs> tether yeah um, 
Sorry, I get back to the publication. Uh, yeah, that my two podcasting loves have collided. I saw Sarah after the show, but of course I was too nervous to go and say hello after I realised who she was. Let me tell you something about that wife of mine. Like I've been around when people come up to her after the show and she's fine, but if somebody comes up to me and tells me they enjoy the podcast or the radio show or whatever, mm. like I feel the need to really kind of like take some time with that person right she doesn't have that much of that to her she'll just say thank you very much that's very kind of you to say so and then go off oh and i I, less insecurity by the sound of it yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) like she appreciates it Mm. and she's never rude Mm. but i I feel like she does the you feel like you have to go out to dinner with them yeah i do yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um i felt like I knew too much inside information to go and introduce myself. In any case, my friend and I thought she was hilarious and I am hoping for a Canadian live event to pop up soon. Mm. Well, if you want to arrange it, we'll be there. Mm. Uh, as long as you pay. Yeah, yeah, pay. <laughs> yeah, first class travel, mm-hmm. like a suite at the best hotel in town. Obviously, yeah. All this stuff. Um, yeah, she's doing a... I keep saying to her, do you want me to mention anything you're doing on the podcast mm. so people can go and see you? And she won't let me. I'll just do it. Maybe next time she's doing something where I feel like it. Okay. Really, it'll be good. It's we'll... your benefit to promote her, isn't it? It is, yeah. So I know she's doing an Edinburgh preview in February. Oh, yeah. But it's like a very early embryonic thing. Okay, yeah. And I think it'll be a bit of a... I think she'll be good, but it'll be a mess and it won't hang together very well. It's very much a work in progress. Okay. So she's inviting you and a few friends along to that. Yeah. But I think, you know, I want our listeners to be wowed by her. Mm-mm. <laughs> so you want to save it until yeah, she's got save it. save it until she's yeah. got it polished, yeah. yeah. Um Love, Sophie Moynan. Well, there we go. Um, it's the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Sophie, not to, but from Sophie Moynan in beautiful Canada, to uh, to Millicent Brimacombe and Wayne. Oh Wayne. So, sorry, Wayne. <laughs> it's a nice name. It is a nice name. It is. Um, why are you pulling that face? <laughs> That's not a nice name. You don't think it is a nice name? Well, the problem with these with the name Wayne... Is that it probably was a nice name at some point, but it's it's been spoiled. Right. Oh, it is a nice name. No, you don't think it is. It is a nice name. No, I know. Like, the way so- you're saying it ruin, is ruining it. If I go Wayne like that, the way I speak Wayne, because that's Wayne, how I speak, Wayne. it sounds beautiful. It's got a lovely sound to it. Wayne, Wayne. <laughs> Look at the Wayne. Like, it's just beautiful. But when you go Wayne, like, it puts me off it. It is a nice name. I take it back. <gasps> I think it's one of those names like Jeff. Like I've told the story many times about how I was introduced to somebody and they said, Jeff, I bet nobody ever says that's a nice name, do they? <laughs> and I, I imagine Wayne has a similar experience. And we can be sure that Wayne will never listen to this podcast. So yeah, yeah. If, and even if he was thinking about it, he certainly won't now. All right. If you would like a podcast or if you have a story to share, you can email us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.